Hello, everyone. I'm Priest Willis, and this is Missions and Marketplace Podcast, episode number 51. Today, I'm joined by Nathan Chan. Nathan is the publisher and editor of a digital magazine called Founder. Nathan launched Founder in March 2013 from his bedroom, and in a small period of time, Founder has evolved to a multifaceted digital media business, spreading the love of entrepreneurship through its podcast, magazine, and training platform. Founder Magazine is now enjoyed by thousands upon thousands of entrepreneurs located all over the planet. Founder has become a top 10 ranked business and investing magazine in the App Store for Apple. Nathan has interviewed some of the most accomplished entrepreneurs around the world, including Richard Branson, Ariana Huffington, Steve Golden, Tim Ferriss, and many others. Nathan and I cover how he got started in this business, how he shifted from IT work into building a digital magazine, how he invested in his business, why he thinks social media is important. The reason why I love talking to Nathan is because he started off like many of us. A lot of us didn't come in the business with bank loans and didn't come in with Silicon Valley names to help us pitch and do all this other stuff. And maybe some of you have, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, Nathan worked hard at the bottom. He worked hard at the bottom and climbed his way to the top. And I hope you get something from his story. So without further ado, here is my man, Nathan Chan. Welcome to Missions and Marketplace Podcast. Join us as we talk to business and thought leaders to discuss their passions in and outside of business and how it drives them to give and be citizens of goodwill. Let's get started. Hey, Nathan, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Priest. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, my man. Yeah, it's an honor to have you. I mean, you are somebody that, as we were talking about offline, I was introduced to you by someone in Australia. So someone who is very familiar with your business. Along the way, I've watched you grown so many different kind of pieces within the Founder Magazine and all this good stuff. And we'll get into that. But why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. Um, So... I started a, uh, I guess you could call it a media company uh, about four years ago now. Um, It was our fourth birthday, March 5th of this year. So four years ago, uh, I had a, a, at the time, crazy idea that I should create a digital magazine about business, entrepreneurship, and startups because I myself didn't know anything about the topic (laughs) and I wanted to get a job in marketing and no one would hire me. And yeah, I just thought it would be fun. And I I felt that there was a need in the marketplace uh, as a young, aspiring, novice stage uh, entrepreneur that didn't know anything. Um, I found other business publications and content sources difficult to relate to. I really liked podcasts though, and they were starting to blow up. And I thought that there might be something there around just creating a publication that had a little bit more of a feel to it. It was a little bit more real. And so that's what I did. I I started it and I didn't print it. That was a very key thing that I strategically did. Uh, Cost me two grand on the back of my credit card. Never had any money back then. And uh, I launched it. Uh, It took me about a year to build it up to 
live my day job. So, you know, we're a subscription-based business uh, on the magazine front of things. And, yeah, um, as as time went on, I was able to build it up, replace operating costs and uh, pay myself a small salary and leave. And then as time has gone on, we've become much more than a magazine. We've, we've become a fully-fledged media company and we produce content in all forms, whether it's free or premium. So, you know, the free stuff could be content over social, audio content, video content, all for free. You know, we have a radio show or a podcast just like yourself. We, we have a high-traffic blog. We have a daily, you know, not daily, but weekly newsletter. Then we also do a lot of premium content, not just the magazine. We, we're really tapping into educational courses and we're looking to build a massive platform uh, around that and, and work with influencers and work with instructors. And that's something that's uh, a new exciting journey for us. That when we have a physical book, we really just produce great content that re- is, is extremely actionable, helpful, and strategical, that uh, no fluff, goes deep, and is really valuable to people. And, that, and that's the ethos in, in every single piece of content we put out. So, yeah, that's me, man. Yeah, that's good stuff. So I imagine you started the magazine because – you didn't want the overhead of the cost with dealing with an actual printer of paper and all that other kind of stuff. Was there more strategy behind it in terms of why you focus purely on digital for this magazine? Yeah. So, man, oh, I wish I could tell you I had like these mad strategies that I, I've, I came up with <laughs> that I was just executing four years down the track. But, dude, I had no money. Like, and there was no way that I was going to do a print run. No way. And I don't like risk. My parents are very, very risk-averse people. And you learn, right? You learn from your role models. And, you know, that, you know that's something that my parents taught me. So even me just dropping a few grand on my credit card, they thought I was crazy. You know, <laughs> like it wasn't. You know, like I had like what, a five grand limit and, you know, always had a couple of grand on there that I was constantly paying off. So it was another couple of grand and just, um, you know, I got paid for my day job, like three grand a month. You know, it wasn't too bad for me, but for them, you know, that was a big deal. It, you know, it's, it's not that much of a big amount of money. And yeah, it was never even remotely in question to print a magazine. And yeah, it, it was, it was str- strategical in that sense because it just didn't seem like the right move. But now apart from that, yeah, no, nah, so I imagine you had other startups that, you know, probably did well or failed or whatever. What did you have anything to model it after? Did you literally just jump into printing or not printing, but having a digital magazine? Yeah. So this is my first businessman. Didn't know like I said, I was working my day job and, and I did for a long period of time before I even went full time on founders. So it took me a year to build it up. And yeah, no, no knowledge about this space, no mentors, nothing. Started everything from scratch and, yeah, just uh, like nothing to model either. Wasn't modeling anything, to be honest. Just, just trying to work it out the hard way and, yeah, just grinded it out, man. So similar to me, you started off in IT tech. And uh, just to elaborate on IT tech, I imagine that was like help desk fixing computers maybe, or at least that's yep. what I did in IT tech. So how yep. does somebody who is in that space, which deals basically with hardware, totally, you know, kind of do a 180, if you will, and go over to a digital print magazine? Like, what was the moment that you're like, I'm, this is what I want to do versus starting another Newegg or, you know, another Lenovo? I've never really been... Um 
that technical. I am quite good, but I didn't particularly enjoy the technical stuff. Never mm-hmm. have that much. Mm-hmm. But what I have drawn from that experience, which I'm sure you draw from too, when you do help their support and tickets, is you build up your problem-solving skills immensely. Like, man, I could smash out like 20, 30 tickets a day and every single one of those is a different problem that you got to solve. And that's business, dude. Right. Like that constant problem solving, that's what me and you do all day, every day is just solving problems. Now, totally different landscape, totally different problems, but they're still problems, you know? So it's, you know, you have to use resourcefulness. You have to, you know, think about how you can approach this. You have to have a plan B. You have to attack it at different directions. For me, I never thought that I would create an IT business because I wasn't really that passionate about the space. Um, I was good at it and I love technology, but I don't really like the technical aspect of IT so much, but I love technology. So that was never really a question. And and the, the kind of things that inspired me was, you know, reading books like The 4-Hour Workweek around creating a muse, you know, a muse-based business. And that's and that and, and essentially, Priest, to be honest with you, that's what founder started out as. And that's what for at least a good year up until I left my day job, even when I left my day job, that's uh, what I thought of the business as. I never thought of it as a startup. You know, like I, I didn't didn't think about raising capital, hiring staff, and everything. We, we were outsourcing. I, I it was only after I think maybe six months of leaving my day job. So I was a year and a half in doing founder and really kind of found my way. And we, you know, we, we were just starting to get some good traction. Things were starting to kick off. That I that I decided to myself that yes this is I, I want to build a startup I want to build a business that's much bigger than myself I, how, how can I how can I how can I build an empire mm. and you know build a brand that impacts the lives of you know tens of millions of people on a monthly basis hundreds of millions of people billions of people everlasting and create this ripple effect so. Yeah, it it didn't it didn't it didn't start off with big dreams, hopes, aspirations. Started thinking really, really small and just yeah, just kind of fell into it that way. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, when I was in the the IT tech world, I totally get what you're saying about love and technology, but not caring much about tech from a standpoint of hardware because yeah, I, I was on the help desk. I love solving problems. I love fixing stuff, but tech in a sense, kind of just sucked. Plus, I learned a little different. I was a C average student in school. So I kind of like drifting off in other places and learning in my own way anyway. So I can see how people like me and you are entrepreneurs and people will think we're just computer geeks, but we're we're a little bit more than that. It's one not to say that anybody that's dealing with hardware isn't. It's just to say that we're wired a little different. We like the problem solving side of things, but not necessarily the hands-on here's your fan, here's your hard drive, plug this in, do this and that. So I totally get it. So you know, one of the things that you talk relatively passionate about and that I've seen a lot out there from you on is about building a a social media brand or just a personal presence on social media. So you know, why is that important? I understand that people like to go out on Instagram. They love to have the numbers. But when you talk about it, you talk about building a brand on Instagram and these other channels for real meaningful purposes. What, why is that important? And talk about what that really means. Yeah, sure. So for me, I think our audience is everywhere. You know, it's quite a broad space around business and entrepreneurship and startups. So 
There's people that hang out on Quora. There's people that hang out on Hacker News. There's people that listen to podcasts like Pat Flynn. There's people that, you know, like Instagram or watch videos on Facebook or read articles on Twitter. And for us, I believe that we need to be everywhere. And, and to build a household name brand, you need to conquer these social media channels. You need to have, in fact, you need to have every channel. You can't master them all, but you have to work towards mastering them all. Um, so I, I, I look at growing businesses around, you know, you have a great product, obviously, or great service, and you have channels, you know, marketing channels that are going to connect you with those people. And when I left my day job, I couldn't afford to drop you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, whatever, ten thousand dollars a day on Facebook ads or any kind of paid acquisition. So I had to look at it like this. I was like, okay, so you know, I'd left my day job. I've got this awesome magazine. We've got a small but awesome subscription base that's recurring, that's growing. So small, small, small readership, but it's growing, steady and slow, but we're getting there. And the question that I asked myself was. How can I grow this thing? How can I scale? And, you know, what, what can I do to connect people with our brand, connect people with our work? And I just started testing channels, man. I started testing, you know, paying, you know, uh, with little money that I had, paying for, for very small amounts of acquisition on Facebook, uh, getting people to download the app. Didn't work. Uh, doing guest blog posts on people's site. Didn't work. Uh, using Twitter didn't really work. And and if if it did work, it was nothing significant that I was just like, wow, this is going to really, I can see it helping blow things up. And and there was one channel that really, really stuck with us and that was Instagram and tested it out and like, boom, I saw a Google Analytics spike. And then from there, that was just, uh, you know, match made in heaven. Um, Everyone looks at, you know, uh, Instagram on their phone. People can get the founder app on their phone to read the magazine. You know, that was the first way that people can connect with us. Yeah, it just really took off. And then ever since, Priest, I've had a really strong focus on mastering our channels, really looking at and thinking about where where do our audience hang out, what's interesting to them, where can we, you know, service a very, very wide range of, of people to really commercialize the brand. So we started with Instagram, then we moved to the podcast as well, um, you know, built both strong channels there, then moved to the blog, building quite a strong channel there, then also at the same time, you know, started to conquer the channel of email. We, we have, uh, you know, we're, we're quite good at that now on user acquisition side there. Now we're really focusing on Facebook, I think is a strong channel. We also did quite, we do quite well on Twitter now as well. Um, but nothing out of them all, nothing brings as much traction as Instagram, mm-hmm. except our organic search because we produce so much content now, but we pay a lot of money to do that. We pay a lot of writers. We invest a lot of money to produce really great content at scale and we're only getting warmed up and so yeah we're working on conquering facebook now our facebook page is growing quite fast um should be yeah and, and it's quite a good channel for us a lot of people are finding the brand through facebook now and we you know getting much better at paid acquisition because we can afford uh to pay for traffic as well at, at scale and then also another channel that we want to work on probably later this year is youtube i see it as a very very strong channel i see video as a very very strong channel that we need to do a better job at. And I think, you know, if you're trying to answer your question in a roundabout way, if you're trying to grow your business 
and you want to become, you want to be relevant and stay relevant, especially in the B two C space. Uh, you need to be utilizing social media. It's just just where consumers are hanging out. So, what kind of test? So, you talked about Instagram, and I can vouch that Instagram is a great vehicle. I started using a service. Uh, to help me build organic traction on Instagram. I pay a, a small fee working with a company called Firing Table. And I pay a very small fee. Again, it's really organic. I'm generating or building up the growth on Instagram. And I put out my podcast, like a video of this, for example. And the feedback, if you look back at my past likes and views on the podcast, has grown over time. And then you literally can see that traffic come over within Lipson, which is the the server that houses my podcast. And you can see it on Google Analytics. But you said you did some testing and saw, boom, the growth in Google Analytics. What was that testing or what was that first Instagram post that worked for you, if you can share? Yeah, sure thing. So we did have an Instagram account since I started the magazine. Like, so to be very, very clear, very, very, you know, no fluff, we've, we have had channels on social media. Like we've had it ever since I started four years ago, we did have a Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And I had my friend who was doing some intern work for me, trying to get a job, just, just kind of managing them. But he didn't really know what he was doing. He was just posting on there. He wasn't using any kind of growth strategy. So we had those channels there. And, you know, when I left my day job, and, you know, trying to work things out. We still, you know, we had the channels, but there was no following on any of them. And on our Instagram, you know, we had like a hundred images and, you know, I hadn't, we hadn't posted on our Instagram in a very, very long time since, you know, that person that was doing the internship stuff only worked with me for about six months. So I hadn't posted in like years. And, you know, I, I, you know, we had, you know, maybe a couple hundred followers on Instagram. And what I did was, I did a few things because uh, I had a friend that was really strong on Instagram in the health space. So what I did was uh, I changed the link in our bio to uh, to redirect directly to the iTunes landing page. So if you, for example, go, if you type in on your phone, on a web browser, foundermag.com, F-O-U-N-D-R-M-A-G.com forward slash iTunes, if you type that in on your iPhone, it'll automatically take you straight to the landing page and then one more click and you download the app and you've got to put in your password. So I made the clickable link on Instagram to that iTunes landing page and I posted maybe three or four photos. I posted one of like the Branson issue saying how, you know, download and get the Branson, start reading the Branson issue for free. I also um, utilized hashtags to reference the post and I went on and commented and did some liking and commenting strategies on, you know, Entrepreneur Forbes, Fast Company, other magazines. And, you know, on that day, I posted maybe six or seven times. And in Google Analytics, you can track your sales mm. right, for your app. Mm-hmm. And I saw a massive spike in sales. Like, you know, we made an extra couple hundred dollars. And it was a big spike that, you know, I hadn't seen before. And I was like, okay, I'm onto something. And uh, that took me down this path to just uh, really master that platform. That's good stuff. That's something that I think entrepreneurs, if they are not utilizing Instagram, they definitely can take heed from this, that there is huge amounts of opportunity out there. There's, of course, a lot of noises. There always will be. But if you can engage with your core customer base, I definitely would use Instagram as one of those channels. And as you pointed out, I think all social media channels, you definitely should have a presence on. Not that you need to master them all. But you certainly should be willing to 
put the effort in to try to build the presence in each one of those areas. Yeah, I think like you got to do it like, um, sorry to interrupt, Priest. I think you just got to focus on one at a time, though. That's really, really key. Focus and find what works for you, then do one at a time. And it just depends what you're looking to build. For us, we want to, I want to build, you know, what inspires me now is building a company that lasts for 30 years. That's what excites me now. Very good point. So as a podcaster, as we both are, getting really meaningful guests are important. How have you been able to get people like Richard Branson, Seth Godin, Ariana Huffington? We kind of talked about this offline here, but that is something that Founder Magazine, which is only four years old, that you pointed out at the beginning of the conversation, has had some really meaningful articles and things done by these key people in their respective industries. How have you been able to connect with these guys with having, well, it's not too young, but it's still relatively young to talk with these tastemakers? How have you been able to do that and connect with them and reach out to them and build credibility with them? It's a combination of things, priests. My first big break was with Richard Branson. We had him for issue number eight. So that was a big game changer for us. Um, I pitched him when I was, you know, four months in inside the magazine. So to answer your question, it's a combination of having the magazine, but then building up our audience with the magazine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we had to fake it until we made it. And now we have uh, quite a reasonable size audience, you know, millions of people consuming our content every month across our, across our platform that we can make it a pretty big no-brainer now but you know it had it took time to build up that platform and you know i got some good early wins in the early days uh, with richard branson ariana huffington and then and then just kind of built on that momentum and you know i think you'll find that it's not just about having a magazine either or having a large audience it's and not to say that our audience is large you know it, it that's all like uh you know it's all kind of relative it's, it's what what does anyone consider large but you know, for us, it's like we have to strike at the right time too. Uh, you, you really have to pick your battles and really know when that person is looking for press. If that person is looking for press, they will take your call. Mm-hmm. They will be interested because, you know, these PR companies, they get hired to find people to find press for these influencers in our space. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but when you say looking for press, you mean and just to add some context for the people listening, but they may be launching a new book or they want to promote a new app or a new product. That's a time that they're willing to take on comers that have a platform. 100%. Like um, Jack Ma, he come down to Melbourne and uh, was doing a bit of a road show because they opened up Alibaba in Melbourne. Now, I never got to interview him or speak to him, but um, that would have been a good time. Or Elon Musk, he did a road show a couple of years ago talking about Tesla, and he'll probably do another one uh, in the near future. And, you know, that's probably going to be the best time that I'll be able to interview him. So you, you have to look, because what happens is, like, these guys, you know, and this is for not just the entrepreneurship startup space. This is for any space in the health and fitness space. You name it, right? You know, in any space, you know, the, there's going to be influencers, right? There's going to be market leaders. There's going to be people that everyone knows if you follow that space or niche or market. And a lot of the time, you know, these companies, they pay big PR firms. They pay them a lot of money and their job is to go and get them press all day, every day. So one thing that I've done always strategically is is, is find these PR agencies that represent these big startups 
and become friends with them or, you know, let them know who we are, what we're doing, and we know that they represent this person. And if, if, if there's ever any opportunities to interview this person or to do X, Y, and Z, please let me know. And uh, just kind of take it from there. And then also it's, it's really smart, like you said, around books. I think that's really, really key. And then, yeah, so a combination of knowing when somebody's looking for press, because we're pitching all the time too, you know, you have to be extremely persistent. Man, do you, we've been pitching Mark Cuban for years, bro, and it was only that I spoke to him this morning, you know, um, to, to do the December front cover. So, you know, it's, it's a combination of speaking, you know, to PR agencies, understanding that, you know, that sometimes people are looking for press or looking out for those opportunities, being super persistent, uh, having a magazine or some sort of authority content platform that can make you stand out and be considered and, and, and have a high level of reputation, branding, and trust, you know, uh, also having something to refer on. You know, if you've interviewed Richard Branson, Ariana Huffington, Tony Robbins, Barbara Corcoran, et cetera, et cetera, you have some, you know, level of credibility. And then also, you know, you, you want to make it a mutually beneficial exchange in value. So, you know, what would these billionaires or multimillionaires value their time at per hour, per minute? Uh, so, so whatever that is, you have to be able to be prepared to give them a, a mutually beneficial exchange in value. So for example, Mark, what would his time be worth? What would his time be worth if he's, you know, a, a multi-billionaire? What would his time be worth? You know, I, I don't, uh, it's probably, you know, millions of dollars every single hour. So, mm-hmm. you know, how can you give, how can you provide millions of dollars worth of press or, you know, a, a ridiculous amount of coverage and press? So you have to have an audience and you have to build up that audience and that stuff takes time you have to be patient so many people they want you know oh you know i started a podcast i want to interview x this person they don't get back to me how do i do it and it's just time man do you know how long it took how many times i've had to grind it out to wait for people to get back to me and they never do and just pitching and just like you know just building dude it takes so so long and people are patient and they don't understand that it's always about a mutually beneficial exchange in value i saw someone on my facebook they wrote oh you know i want to interview elon musk they had a you know business podcast i said oh i want to interview elon musk does anyone have any contacts and like it's it's probably never going to happen. Like, and and I don't mean that in a mean way, but it's just I think it's very ignorant to think that someone like that would be you know willing to go on someone's podcast unless it's a very very big podcast unless you know they have a really strong contact and also in the fact that it's going to be a mutually beneficial exchange in value because it's just not fair. It just it just doesn't work that way, you know. I think it makes perfect sense. So, you know, for full transparency, a couple of those people I've reached out to personally actually spoke to one of them, had a great conversation. Ariana Huffington is somebody who's been really gracious with me, has talked to me, opened up her platform for me. So you're absolutely right. It was somebody that I was hitting months. And I don't mean in a painful, obsessive way. I mean, very trying to be organic, trying to be put myself out there. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk wrote a book about, you know, make sure you're jabbing and then do your right hook, meaning make sure that you're not always selling and like, hey, I got a million people come and talk to me. And, you know, it just gets really, really dry, gets stale. So really have 
something that will resonate. Because to your point, someone like Mark Cuban, who's probably worth millions an hour, if you really want to get his time, what can you give as a trade-off? Maybe in some cases you don't have millions, but you do have something that he might be interested in. Make sure you have that interest. So I do think it's arrogant as podcasters and people that we think just because I started up a new podcast and I got two episodes that somebody needs to talk to me and because he doesn't or she doesn't talk to me, they're jerks. I think that's that's crazy. Nathan, one of the things I wanted to ask you was in all those discussions that you've had with these different tastemakers, maybe there's not one specific thing, but I will ask it this way. What is one specific message from these guys in their respective fields, guys and gals, that somebody could walk away with that you could tell them and do now? Meaning, did Richard Branson and Ariana Huffington what did they tell you that seemed to be a resonated message throughout the different guests that you feel like an entrepreneur, they may not be at their level, but they could do what? What did you gain from those conversations? It's a great question, priests, And it's very difficult for me to answer, man, because for me, things are moving so fast. A lot of it becomes a bit of a blur, to be honest. <laughs> Being 100% real with you. I get um, it. But I do, I do take in a lot and I just kind of store it. And then when it's relevant to me, uh, you know, I, I draw on it. And if, it, you know, so I think, I think if there was one thing I'd like to, to take away from, you know, being lucky enough and, and blessed to be able to uh, speak to some of these amazingly accomplished people that, you know, have shaped the world that we know it, how it is today. I think the, the thing that I'd love for people to take away is, is at the end of the day, these people are just like you or I preached. They're human beings. They sat, they stand on the same rock solid ground. We all bleed, you know, they're just human beings that uh, have just hustled really hard. And, you know, to, for, you know, you make your own luck, but they have been, you know, lucky in some aspects, but at the end of the day, you make your own luck and they just want it bad enough. Like that, that's all it really is, man. So Nathan, let me ask the question from you. I mean, you know, I've asked some other guests this question and I'm going to pose it to you before we wrap up here. You know, and I thought about this personally recently. This is why I'm starting to ask some of my guests this, and I probably only asked two others this question, but I would like to hear your response on it. I was on my desktop and I, you know, I have a biopic that typically I send out for other interviews or whatever it is. And it's the older me, I'm 42, so I can see a picture of me and you know, obviously how I look today. But then I also had a picture for whatever reason when I was in high school and I looked at that picture and I was not amazed, but I'm like, wow, this is almost 30 years later that I'm looking at essentially what what's two different people. I'm obviously totally different than I was at 15, now at 42. And then I got to think deeper, like what would that person who's now 42 years old tell that kid who's 15 and I, like you, I wasn't thinking about being an entrepreneur. I wasn't thinking of anything like that. So I'm not looking for the deep answer from you. I'm just looking, what would you tell who you are today to the younger you when you weren't thinking about entrepreneurism or any of that? What, what would you tell yourself? I have more fun and don't care what other people think. Mm. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Did you spend a lot of time caring what people thought about you? I'm sure a lot of us have. I mean... Um, yeah, of course. When you're young, man, you know what it's like, bro. <laughs> I do. I do. But everything, Nathan, everything I did was for the ladies. I didn't care what the, the men thought. I did it. <laughs> I dressed crazy. I wore a crazy hairdo for the ladies. 
That's what mm-hmm. I did. So, so Nathan, what would you like to leave our listeners with as you continue to grow your digital media empire and your whole setup? What is it that you'd like to leave with them to inspire them, especially for the ones particularly kind of starting off and kind of getting their feet off the ground and they don't have money and they may be thinking about using their credit card and they're at where you were at at the beginning. Thank you to our sponsor Thrive Theme for today's episode. Thrive Themes has blazingly fast WordPress templates and plugins built to get more traffic, more subscribers, more clients, and more customers for you. Thrive Themes makes more than just themes. The company is well known for its powerful array of marketing tools and plugins for WordPress, such as Thrive Leads, Thrive Content Builder, and Thrive Headline Optimizer. I use them and I've created a site in a plugin for a site called I want to be an affiliate.com literally in a matter of 30 minutes. I downloaded WordPress, plugged in Thrive Themes, and it worked fine. Go into today's episode, click on the link that says Thrive Themes, and you'll be taken to their site. You definitely want to give them a try. Thrive Themes, a blazingly fast WordPress template and plugin for your site. Uh, look, I think. You know, if there's one thing then is just, you only live once, right? And you want to make the most of your life. And what's the worst that could happen? You know, I think, you know, life's way too short to do things that you hate. And, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to fail. And I know it's easier said than done. That's why I think it's really, really key to hang out with like-minded people mm-hmm. uh, that are trying to do the kind of stuff that you want to do. And I think if you, you, you do that, you want it bad enough and you're patient, how can you lose? You know, even if you do lose, you get that experience and you start again. If you never give up, that's, you know, you can't lose. That's really good. If you never give up, you never can lose. Even if you do lose, you're not really losing because you just gain the experience to take over to your next journey of whatever that is. So Nathan, you talked about having a podcast. Of course, we know about the Founder Magazine, the digital magazine. I want people to check that out, but share everything you can where people can get in touch and see the magazine and how can they connect with different things that you have going on. Just feel free to share that stuff, including the podcast. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, if you want to just find out more about what we do, you just go to founder.com, F-O-U-N-D-R.com. So it's founder without an E. If you want to you know, listen to the podcast, check it out. Um, you can just go to yeah, founder, any, anywhere. You'll, you'll just have a founder podcast and Spotify, anywhere, you name it. And uh, yeah, just go to the website and you'll be able to see everything we've got going on. Nathan, you've been extremely gracious with your time. I can't thank you enough. Again, you have something very inspirational going on. And I think you're a testimony that even though a market, and I'm talking about the the magazine market may be saturated, it doesn't mean that you can't approach it differently. And I think what you're doing is extremely smart. I love what you're building. So I I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me. Thank you so much, Priest. I really appreciate your time and uh, the opportunity. So uh, yeah, man, thank you so much. Thanks, Nathan. Take care. You too. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Missions and Marketplace. If you have a brand or business that you want to take online or you're already online and looking for more exposure, visit us at AffiliateMission.com, the premier affiliate marketing and management agency. Also feel free to get social with us and check our Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter pages and share with us your story on how you're leaving a mark in the world.
the best ever. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious.